0: Your favorite PGA and LPGA legends, pros, and top instructors are right here every week on Next on the Tee. Join Chris as the greats of the game share their stories, insights, and playing lessons. Now, back to Chris and more of the show.
1: All right, now back and making his sixth appearance with me here on Next on the Tee. Like I say, is my favorite author and one of my favorite individuals, period, and that is Keith Hursland. Keith has uh, become a wonderful friend over the last few years. He's an Emmy Award-winning TV producer. He's produced shows for ES The Golf Channel. Keith was among the original people that started the Golf Channel back in 1995. He's also written three wonderful books. You've heard me talk about Cover Me, Boys, I'm Going In, Tales of the Two from a Broadcast Brat, which is my all-time favorite book. He's also written Two Great Mysteries, Big Flies and The Flower Girl Murder." both of which have gotten rave reviews and are winning awards. It seems like just constantly, ever since uh, the Flower Girl Murder uh, book came out, it seems like it is a winning award. been doing so now month after month. He's got a fourth book on the way, which we hope to hear more about. And I'm very excited he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Good evening, Keith. Thanks for coming back on the show.
2: Oh, my gosh, Chris. Thanks for having me. It's always great to be with you. And uh, I'm just thrilled to be, to be back with you again. And that was a great story about, about your escapades at Augusta this year, and I'm glad it all worked out. I was one of the ones on uh, social media that was uh, was hoping that you were going to get get most of the day in.
1: I appreciate you. Yeah, all the good vibes and the prayers came through for me, so I appreciate that very much, Keith. So, yeah. Keith, you you always have so many exciting things going on with all of your books, and they're all absolutely spectacular, and I know you got a fourth one. Coming up, uh, coming up here pretty soon. Catch us up with uh, all the things that have been going on with you since we talked in the fall.
2: Yeah, it's actually had some pretty exciting news um, that had to do with Cover Me Boys, uh, because as you know, we—I uh, wrote that book. Uh, it took me about five years to write it and um, completed it in the fall of 2013. And decided at the time, after talking to a couple of traditional publishers and a couple of uh, Agents um, that the best route to go was to probably self-publish it, so we did that. But then, I guess after we talked, um, a, a traditional publishing company called Beacon Publishing Group reached out to me and said, "Hey, we we've read your book, Cover Me, Boys. I'm going in, and uh, we'd like to partner with you and uh, and re-release it as you know through our our Beacon Publishing Group team." And um, of course, we jumped at that chance. So as of February 1st. Uh, of this year, Cover Me Boys has been re-released by Beacon Publishing Group. So uh, the folks that maybe didn't get a chance to to read it when it first came out in 2013 or since, um, they were hoping uh, get a new look at it and have a chance to to hear some of the stories uh, about my my parents who were broadcasting pioneers, and then uh, kind of my escapades in the broadcast business, working at local TV stations across the country, then at the ES- then for Don and then at the ESPN, and then ultimately at the golf channel for uh for 18 years so that was great and as you said uh we actually just finished book number four called murphy murphy and the case of serious crisis it's another mystery and uh beacon um thankfully was um more than willing to to partner with us on that one so it will it's in the hands of their editors right now and uh and they're going to take a look at it and give us some ideas and give us some thoughts. And then that will be published probably not in, not, in the not-too-distant future. And then one more. I'm going to ask you this live on the radio. And I would be honored if you would allow me to use your name in book number five that I have just started putting pen to paper on. So if you don't mind, ah. there will be a character in the next book named Chris Mascaro. How about
1: that? Oh, Please do. I can't tell you. If no, no, I can't no. tell you
2: if he's a good guy or a bad guy yet. But
1: oh <laughs> no, okay. all right. well that's all right. All right, e- either side's okay. <laughs> Just don't make me do anything heinous. I don't. You know, I can't. I not I can't have no, my problem. name associated with anything heinous. All right. No, Very good. I appreciate you. <laughs> Look forward to it. So be, before we move off the books, Keith Murphy Murphy, talk, what, what's the premise of this one? Because so many of the you know of the other two. You, you like to take you know something that's actually happened and then give it an ending. so you know we right. talked in the Big Flies you know was sort of of a D. B Cooper sort of ending, right. you know book and how it actually might have ended. So talk about what the premise of Murphy Murphy is
2: so there there are a couple of things with Murphy Murphy. first of all, um, as the the folks who are my friends and who have worked with me and for me in the past will know I'm a bit of a uh, of a stickler. For certain grammatical things, I am um, I abhor uh, things like um, using the word all-American instead of all-America. I think that writer, cupper, or hall of famer are uh, should never be used. They could because, in my opinion, they So um, he solves the mystery of what happens when certain items that belong to the band Sirius Crisis go missing, and uh, along the way, I featured in the book somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 redundant phrases. So it would be fun, <laughs> I thought, for readers to figure out which, you know, which were the redundant phrases and how many there are. And, and um, our dear friend who's coming up next, Matthew Lawrence plays a a major role in the, in the manuscript. Um, he is a, he is a, of course, a famous actor who um, his, his niece is in the rock band and uh, he gets involved in, in the, uh, in solving the mystery in various ways. So uh, it's a mystery, uh, but it's lighthearted. It's fun. Uh, I tried to make it entertaining and kind of, again, a, a little bit of a jab at the, all the people that that tend to use redundant (laughs) phrases.
1: So knowing that Matthew is a character in the book, does Matthew get to play himself when there's a movie?
2: Well, Matthew can do anything he wants because I'm counting on him to be the one that takes it to Hollywood. So uh, (laughs) I would say that he would absolutely have to play himself in the movie because one of the characters, um, and seriously, I, 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 I think I mentioned my son is an a rock band, and he said I like to draw on actual actual events and actual things as kind of the basis for a lot of what happens in my writing. So I took, you know, the fact that that my son's band, Post Animal, has been on tour, and he collaborated with me a little bit on some of the things and some of the terminology. But Matthew is actually in the book. He is, his character's name is Lawrence Matthews, but he he actually was Matthew Lawrence because I refer to Eddie and the cruisers a lot in the book, which of course it yes. starred in. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's a bar in the book and the, the movie Eddie and the cruisers is constantly playing in the bar. Um, so there's a whole bunch of references to Eddie and the cruisers and Matthew's and, and um, and, uh, Matthew Lawrence. And so I had a lot of fun with it and, and, um, uh, you know, I think you'll like it. He's a good guy. I, I try to lead readers into thinking that he may not be a good guy for a long time, but I'll, I'll give it away and say that in the end, he, he's a good guy.
1: Ah, there you go. And, you know, Matthew <laughs> will will be the first one to brag to you that he is the world's greatest air guitarist. So, you know, he may be lobbying to get back in the band, and let, let alone play himself. So
2: <laughs> There you go. Oh, you, got so, yeah.
1: you got that. So, Keith, let switch gears a little bit. And, you know, as you mentioned, all the years that you were at the Golf Channel, and the Golf Channel does such a great job covering the Masters with their live from the Masters shows and that sort of thing. But I got to ask you, what was Masters Week like for you every year when, the, when it became Tournament Week?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, you know, and I was just, when you mentioned that at the beginning of the show that you were going to ask me about that, I, I ran through my my memory banks and tried to think about what the heck did we do during Masters Week, because as you know, my 18 years at the Golf Channel was spent producing live golf, so, you know, obviously the Golf Channel had nothing to do with the tournament production of the Masters, so, you know, and I also, because I was with the live tournament team, I didn't work on the news shows either. So, but I was thinking when we first started in the in the mid 90s, um, we actually had was a, at the time a Nike Tour event, and it was in Florence, South Carolina, the Nike South Carolina Classic. Uh, past champions of that event include the likes of Stuart Sink and Charlie Reimer, and my dear friend, and I. W- I would highly recommend you getting him on your show. It's Jerry Foltz who uh, that was his one one. Uh, tour victory was the South Carolina Classic, but that was what we were doing in the early, the first handful of years of of the Golf Channel during Masters Week, because we were working, we were producing the, uh, we were producing and televising a Nike Tour event, and I remember one year because we wanted to be off the air, the tournament director Dick Baker was a little angry with us, but preferred his event to be on TV rather than have it not be on TV, but we always had to finish really early, so. They always had to go off in threesomes really early in the morning, and because they wanted to be finished, Golf Channel wanted us to be finished before, long before CBS came on the air on Saturday and Sunday with the Masters. So, um, And I think at the time that was still 3 o'clock, I think, because that was the you know mid to late 90s, and I don't think that CBS right. had extended their air window yet. So, you know, we were done by 3 o'clock, and what we would do is go right up to the clubhouse and watch CBS broadcast. And, um, so that was fine. I remember one year really well was the year that the Nick Faldo, Greg Norman year, because one of the folks on my team, uh, a young lady who worked for me as an associate producer was very, very good friends with Greg Norman. And she couldn't have been more excited to go up and watch Greg finish off what was going to be his, you know, crowning glory and winning the masters. And, and he ended up, you know, as we all know, blowing a big lead on the back nine and, and uh, this person was was devastated, as we all were, because we were all, you know, rooting for, rooting for Greg too. And um, I never told Nick that story when I started working with him in the in the late <laughs> in the 2000s. I cheered against him at, uh, in that Masters, but um, I'm sure he wouldn't care.
1: <laughs> but you know, it's a good memory to bring out that the coverage didn't start until around three o'clock on Sunday, because you know the Masters for forever we didn't we never saw the yeah. front nine at Augusta National. that was sort of a mystery until not all that long ago because all we would do is pick up the broadcast on the on the back nine on sunday so yeah that's an that's a you know something that uh, the younger generation doesn't realize
2: yeah when I was growing up and i know I'm hating myself, but you know i mean i I grew up in a golf family I was really fortunate, both my parents played golf and they taught my brothers and I to play golf, and we would all go out on the weekends and you know play golf as a family and masters week is always you know let's let's go play and then come home so we can get home in time you know to watch now you know you never go out to play on the weekend because with the internet and the coverage that they do such a great job on the masters app and you know you can watch featured groups and and, and the featured holes and amen corner i mean that's a that's a great view for me and that's a great viewing experience because you can pretty much watch you know a number of you know the top players play their entire round, and um, it's also a thrill for me because I get to hear some of my old colleagues and friends, like Grant Boone and Billy Ray Brown and folks like that, on the broadcast of those uh, of those featured holes and featured groups in Amen and corner. So it's a lot of fun for me now. Um, but in, in back in the day, it was just that anticipation of you know three o'clock couldn't come fast enough. You were, you know it was you just couldn't wait for you know for for the masters to come on so you could watch the 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 final holes.
1: Yeah, and you know, to your point, right? There was no internet back then, so you didn't know who was making a move or what a charge was going what charge was going on and how things were going until it finally did come on at three o'clock to see what happened on the front nine. Did someone fall apart? Did someone make a charge and all that sort of thing? Because uh, yeah, no internet, no coverage, no nothing. You just sort of had to wait and see. So yeah, it was certainly was a different time. And as you mentioned how you view it now, and you've got a website, your uh, WordPress blog site, CoverMeBoys.com. You wrote about what your new master tradition is for viewing the tournament. You have alluded to most of it, but do you like being able to go back and forth between Amen Corner and what's happening at 15, 16, who the feature groups are? I mean, are you constantly hitting the back button to to see what's going on between station to station?
2: Well, I'll confess that I'm worse than that. Um, I usually have at least three devices going. Um, I have the app. I have Apple TV, so I can, through the app, the Master's app, I can watch all those things on all the televisions in my house. So what we usually have going is I have the computer set up on one of the streams, and then I have the televisions in, in our basement slash bar slash viewing area set up with, all of it with CBS, with the Amen Corner, and then with the featured group. So I'm I'm looking at four and five screens at a time, which, as you know, my, you know I produced golf for more than 20 years, and there's in excess of 70 monitors in the TV truck. So looking at five different screens at once is not that big a deal for me. Um, at least in this iteration of my life, I don't have also people yelling in my ear um <laughs> Certain things, and I also don't have to be yelling at people in their ears. So um, I can just sit back and watch and, and soak it all in. It drives my wife a little crazy because she likes to concentrate on one thing at a time, but which is usually the big screen and CBS's coverage. But I like the I like the option of going back and forth and and looking at different things at different times. So uh, I'm I'm uh I take it to the extreme, I guess.
1: So uh, you know, having your old producer's hat on while you're watching all of these different screens and the things that are going on, are you happy with what you're seeing, or do you look at it and go, you know, boy, if they would just do this, I think it would make it better. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I I hate to say, I mean, they do,
2: they all do such a great job. I mean, it's it's such an amazing event, and I was lucky enough for a couple of years to be in the truck um, for the Amen Corner Group and um, and see, you know, Mike Arnold directs that truck and he comes straight from the ncaa um national championship and you know that a bunch of those guys from cbs it's the only golf tournament that they do but they love it and you know they're committed to it 100 percent and they do a great job um but i'd be lying if i didn't say i was always yelling at the tv saying why why did you go there or you know what <laughs> that this shot has to be on tape it happened it had to have happened 10 minutes ago and why don't you tell me it's on tape and Things like that that also, you know, are, it's, I'm not a whole lot of fun to watch golf on TV with. I'll have to admit that. But uh, <laughs> for the most part, uh, I appreciate so much how hard a job it is. And I appreciate the hard work that all those guys, the technicians and, and the, the the graphics people and the, the folks in the truck and the, and the, and the videotape room and, and everybody works so dang hard. And they care so much about the product that, uh, you know, you, it's it's just it's just an exciting thing. And if you've ever been in a TV truck, and if you haven't, I'd encourage you to do it the next time you're at an event because it's a different world and and you'll be blown away. It's really it's really a lot of fun. People say golf is boring on TV. Well, look at golf from inside a television production truck, and you'll never think it's boring again.
1: So this begs the question now. Thinking about this year's tournament, who are you rooting for? What do, what are you hoping to come see on. come Sunday afternoon?
2: Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an unabashed Tiger Woods fan. Always have been, always will be. I would love for Tiger to be in kitchen. I would love it even more if Tiger won. But, um, you know, this year, I think it's going to be one of the, one of those great, um, events because so many guys are coming into it playing so well. And you know, as well as I do, that, that golfers are the, the best athletes it's the best profession. They're the best professional athletes on the planet. They're they're all extremely accommodating, very nice, very friendly. They get it. They're fan friendly. Um, And so, I mean, I I would be thrilled if Justin Rose won. I would be thrilled if Rich Fowler won. Uh, I would be thrilled if Rory won and completed the career grand slam. Um, You know, I, but if, if I'm being honest, you know, I, I want Tiger to win at least one more Masters and at least one more British Open, um, and ideally it would be great if he could win five more major championships.
1: So Keith, thinking about what we saw this past weekend, did you ever think we'd see a women's tournament being played at Augusta National? Like how, how big that, of that of an event is that for for the for women's that, golf?
2: That was a, it's. I mean, not just women's golf, golf in general. I mean, what an amazing event and what a show they put on. I, I was uh, fortunate enough to be traveling during, while it was on. I was on an airplane, and they had it on Direct TV, and uh, I, I got to why I didn't get to hear it. A good three hours of it, and the, the show that Jennifer and, and Maria put on was just amazing. And the golf course looked great. I thought it was a great message for golf in general. Um, I think that uh, going forward, um, that with along with everything that the USGA is doing, everything that the LPGA Tour is doing. Um, it's just, it just, it just points to just an amazingly bright future, um, for women's golf and, and for golf in general. I mean, I think that, you know, across the spectrum, I think people, male, female, young, old, um, all, uh, got a kick out of, out of that great event. And I look forward to to it being, you know, a staple and something that I'll watch for years to come.
1: Keith, just a couple more before we let you go. And I also know what a big Michelle Wee fan you are, and you've known <laughs> her since she was quite young. Um, I know yep. she's battling back now from another set of injuries. Boy, she is. She just seems like she's snakebit with injury after injury. Do you think she's going to be able to make her way all the way back?
2: Oh, boy. You know, you'd li- I, I hope so. And, you know, you're right. I've I've always been a big fan of Michelle's, and she's another one that you know, despite all the the hullabaloo and everything that surrounded her and at the the early stages of her career, she was always so good to us and so accommodating, and uh, you know, did did everything that we asked her to do and then some. And you know, I'll always I'll always cheer for her. I hope she can get healthy because I think if she's healthy, then some of that natural. Ability and that natural fluidity to her game will come back. I think battling all these injuries, I think it's been hard for her to get to, to feel natural about her golf swing again. And once that happens, I think she'll, I think she'll start winning, winning events and winning major tournaments again. And we were lucky enough to be in Pinehurst when she won her U.S. Women's Open, um, and that was a that was a great week. And uh, I hope she gets back. I hope she gets healthy. Most of all, I hope she gets healthy. And then uh like I said, once she gets healthy, uh, I think she'll be back to form and she'll be she'll be formidable on that tour again. It's just which is they're playing some tremendous golf out there.
1: And Keith, with your with your lovely wife Sarah, now the chief executive officer of the US Olympic Committee, and now we have golf. Back in the Olympics, boy, it just seems like a wonder—not only a wonderful marriage between two wonderful people, but a wonderful marriage between what she's doing and what your past is. Could we see you maybe doing a little something around uh, Olympic golf next time around?
2: I'll be a fan. <laughs> um, I'm, you know, I can't wait to go to Tokyo and and not only watch the golf, but but just uh, experience the Olympic Games. Um, up close and personal for really the first time that I can remember. I, I have pictures of me on my dad's shoulders at the 1960 Winter Games at Squaw Valley. Uh, I was five years old at the time, but, uh, this will be an amazing experience. And, you know, just, uh, just being around the great folks at Team USA and, and all the good, good work that they do and everything that they do for, um, amateur sports and Olympic sports in this country is, is amazing and uh you know we're really looking forward to to being a part of it when we when they head to Tokyo in 2020 and you'll you'll definitely see me uh in the gallery um I think that's the best place for me to be cheering on uh on the on the members of Team USA and and everybody else that's competing in the event
1: Keith, before we let you go, remind our listeners, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and follow you online, whether it's uh, on your website or over social media?
2: Yeah, you can find me at uh, keithersland.com or, at, as you mentioned, covermeboys.com, which is my blog that I promised that I'll start posting some more things on. I've been a little busy writing books. Uh, the books are available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Uh, walmart.com, a bunch of places now that, uh, Beacon Publishing has gotten involved. I'm on Instagram at, uh, KHH Author and, uh, you can find me at, at on Facebook at Keith Hersland Author. So I appreciate you, uh, letting me say that. And, uh, again, Chris, it's always fun being with you. You're one of the best in the business and I love the just the conversations that we get to have. And, um, I will always jump whenever you say, can you come on the show?
1: <laughs> uh, I can't. Thank you, Jeff, Keith. I can't wait to read Murphy Murphy, and, and, and you know, like I say, for, for anything else, to see how uh, my good friend Matthew Lawrence bears in the book and uh, well, and uh, well, I, I, weigh in on, what, on how accurate it is.
2: <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to hear what he has to say coming up next. So uh, I'm looking forward to that.
1: I appreciate it. Keith, take care, my friend. All the best to you and your wife, Sarah, and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again real soon, my friend. Thanks, Chris. Enjoy the Masters. Ah, Thank you. You too, Keith. That is the great Keith Hirschland, H-I-R-S-H-L-A-N-D, Hirschland. And, uh, again, Cover Me, Boys, I'm Going In, my all-time favorite book. I can't recommend that highly enough to you. Check out Pig Flies and the Flower Girl Murder. And, boy, I'm I'm, uh, very excited about two things, A, Murphy, Murphy, to read read that book just to see what a great book it is, and then to see my boy Matthew Lawrence and see what that character looks like, and then I'm gonna have my name in book number five. I tell you what, I'm all single about that too. So, looking forward to having Keith back on the show again real soon.
0: Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility, and it's all happening under one roof.